So we're coming to our second uh, of our series of Thank God It's Monday. And we're going to have some testimonies from some of our own people um, today. So we've got four people. We've got Meg Henry and Andy Calver and Pete Rayner and Richard Coombs, all of whom are going to come and share something about what they do and uh, what it means to be a follower of Jesus in what they do. And perhaps if they've had the opportunity, whether they've ever had the opportunity to be able to share their faith with their people at work. Before we do that, we're going to uh, just have some scripture, uh, and I'll spend a couple of moments just talking about one of them. So could I have the scriptures up on screen, guys? Was that a no, I can't? Okay, yeah. Right. I will now very quickly try to find the scriptures then. Bear with me half a second. You look them up. Okay. Uh, it is, um, it's Acts 16, I think it's 11. It starts at, and then um, 1 Peter. Nathaniel, you'll have to shout it out because I haven't got what's up on here. 315. 315. Bless laid plans. So I'll do 1 Peter 3.15 first then. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. And then from Acts. It should be the conversion of Lydia. Yeah. From Troas. We put out to sea and sailed straight for the Samothrace. And the next day we went on to Neapolis. From there we travelled to Philippi, a Roman colony, and the leading city of that district of Macedonia. We stayed there several days. On the Sabbath we went outside the city gate to the river, where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who gathered there. One of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshipper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. Once, when we were going to that place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. I don't need to go that far. Thanks, guys. You see, the conversion of Lydia that I really wanted. I don't know whether you picked up there. We don't know an awful lot about this woman, Lydia. Uh, in fact, that is it. That is the sum of what we know about her. Um, she was born in northwest Turkey. Uh, that area was known for its craftspeople, particularly kind of bronze and copper. And also what we picked up there this dyeing of purple cloth. Now, the dyeing of purple cloth was something which was, um, you know, was quite specific. As I remember back, it was from a particular snail that you got, the dye of purple. It was a really intense craft, and purple cloth was very, very expensive. Now, how she ended up to be in this trade, we don't know, because we don't have any of the background. But it was the fact that she was able to do that that in the end led to her coming to know Jesus. 
We know that when we pick up the story, she's not in Turkey anymore, she's in Greece, she's in Philippi, and we know that she is a God-fearer. So she's shifted from what would have taken place in Turkey, she would have been following many, many gods out there, but she has decided she's seeking and she's following actually the Jewish God as she comes to that little group that's gathering. And as the group come and are gathering to pray, it's there that she gets to know about the Lord Jesus and decides that she's going to follow the Lord Jesus. So she found out about him because of her work. And in actual fact, her work then becomes pretty core to the way in which the church grows in Philippi. So Philippi is a very tiny baby church at the time that we're picking up on this story of Lydia. But we find out from it that Lydia has, because of her work, she's got a big house, and that means that the first kind of one of the first Christian plants, church plants in Greece, happens through this amazing woman. Now, some of you might like novels. There is an amazing novel by Paula Gooder. Has anybody heard of Paula Gooder? She is an amazing theologian. Um, and the story is a fictional story that she's written. You can very easily pick it up and read it from cover to cover. But if you'd like to know more about what the, con the historical context that she puts it all in is absolutely amazing. Um, and so all of the historical context is completely correct. And she looks at how Lydia may well have lived out her life. And it's an absolutely fantastic novel. Anyway, that's not what we're here to talk about today. What we're here to talk about today is God in the workplace and... Uh, how he works in people who are in the workplace. So I'm going to invite up, I think it's Richard first. Richard, would you like to come up? M Megan, Andy and Co, would you like to come down here so you're ready to go? And I will share with you the questions that have been asked of these amazing guys. So the questions are, what do you do? How does a being a follower of Jesus affect what you do? And have you ever had the opportunity to share Jesus in your work? So, over to you. Oh, thank you. One question at once, please. Okay. <laughs> um, um, my name's Richard Coombs. I'm a physiotherapist. I uh, have been uh, for over 30 years. and uh, um, I work in a family business. My mum set it up in 1990, sorry, 89, and I took over in 92. And I have the privilege of working with my wife um, uh, uh, in Bingley. So, yes. Fabulous. So, um, how does being a follower of Jesus, Jesus affect the way that you work and what you do? Um, for me, uh, I think it's incredibly important to me um, to be a Christian and I hope that shows in the work I do. Um, in, I look at Jesus' healing and I, I realise mine is quite pathetic compared, but it's, <laughs> I'm playing my little part in mm -hmm. um, making a difference in people's lives, hopefully sure. getting them better back to work, um, back to enjoy their things uh, yeah. um, that they enjoy in sport, which is my forte. Uh, but I just love my job. Mm -hmm. And um, in lockdown, uh, it was tough, you know, uh, not being able to work, not to be able to help people. And uh, God said to me, the parable of the, the hidden talents, you know, how important it was that I did, I was going to mm -hmm. do. So I don't think retirement's anywhere soon, Linda, I'm afraid. <laughs> Um, but no, I uh, absolutely love my job. Um, That's brilliant. And have you ever had the opportunity to share Jesus directly with some... I mean, obviously, you're probably doing that on a very... Um, you know, the whole thought that you are touching people and healing people and showing them uh, how to use their bodies better. That in itself is kind of bringing a 
I mean, we might say shalom, a peace and a sense of well-being to people, but have you ever had the chance to be able to share directly with any of your people the love of Jesus? It's, it's quite tough in the medical profession, especially if you work in the hospital. Mm. It's a bit of a no-no, but when you work for yourself, you can do what you like, really. Yeah. Um, uh, what, one of the greatest compliments I've ever had was uh, probably um, about six months ago, one of my patients uh, said to me that he was, uh, he was coming for me for a problem, and, but he was going to see a personal trainer at the same mm. time. And um, he was telling this personal trainer about me, and he said, oh, he's a Christian, you know, you don't want to go to him, he's a Christian man. And what I didn't realise, how you know, that I was feeling great about yeah. this, that he, he thought of me that way. Anyway, he, he rambled on for about half an hour saying how much he didn't approve of this, and he asked the, the patient what he did for a living, and he was a preacher, so I thought that was quite, quite <laughs> But But no, it, it's, I, I say to people, I genuinely mean it, you know, uh, there must be a God because my results are better than my skills. Yeah. Um, but the truth is, um, I think I'm hoping for me, it's not difficult to stand out as a Christian person. I mm -hmm. think it's how you set your standards, how you treat other people, um, how people see that um, maybe money's not your primary mm. goal, um, that you know, you're there for them and yeah. you want to get them better. Um, and, and it's lovely. And some people, you know, you, you, they, they are a captive audience, believe it or not. Once they're on that couch, they can't really leave. <laughs> but um, it, is, it is a privilege. And even though it's a bit of a no-no, I think it, I do get the opportunity on nearly on a daily basis to mm. talk about it. And one thing I want to do more than anything, rather than moaning about politics or the, 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 the way things are, or Bradford, you know, the things that maybe are not right, is to actually more talk about Jesus and have the opportunity, because God does give me the opportunity to speak to people about him, yeah. That's brilliant. Thank you so much, Richard. Can we give him a round of applause, everybody? <laughs> Who's next? I think it's, is it Meg next? I think it's Meg next. Hi, Meg. <laughs> so, do you want me to ask questions or do you just want to go for it? I'll probably just... Um, you probably just go for it. Probably just talk. So, uh, yeah, so um, Meg and I work for um, the Linking Network. It's a charity based in Bradford. Uh, so I work just next door in the building Margaret Macmillan Towers. And um, the charity started 20, over 20 years ago. It was two head teachers who felt that they their children met maybe to play sport, maybe to sing in a choir, but they weren't meeting and having a great time together. And they thought, actually, as schools, we could do that. So it was in, um, uh, if for those of you that know the Bradford District, it was Girlington Primary and Eldwick Primary, really, really different uh, school populations. And they met over a full school year. They went to Cartwright Hall Museum. They went to Nellbank. They had a really great time together. And from there, it grew. and. Um, 2008, I was a linking teacher on the project. I teach and taught in a Bradford school and had a really great time. And then a job came up, so I applied for it and got the job in 2009. So I've been working there ever since. And this top photograph, you can just see me up at the top. I think it was quite soon after I'd started. So these, the top photograph, those are Bradford children. And the, the point of it is just that confidence to meet others. I think in, in churches and different settings, we are, we're really familiar and comfortable with the fact that we get a chance to meet others. But uh, it's really a really brilliant skill and really important for children to get that chance to meet and talk and understand and reach out. And um, I was just thinking about um, the, 
in John 4. You know, Jesus modeled so many different times in the Bible when he went out of his way to speak to somebody who was different to him, maybe different gender, maybe different age. And um, he modeled that for us. So for me, in terms of the... For, it's, I'll, yeah, I'll come back to that in a moment. So yeah, so that, that's at the top. And then over time, other local authorities have felt, oh, we would like to... Uh, do what Bradford's done as a programme, working with the local authority, and it's, it, it's grown. So there are now 20, more than 25 other local authorities mm -hmm. who run the project, and we, we support that's them great. from Bradford. So that's about 1,000 schools um, uh, are involved in it this year, even, even despite COVID. And just this photograph down at the bottom, <laughs> our colleague Ralph Bashir, who runs the um, programme in Pendle, just sent that over on a WhatsApp. And that kind of symbolises for us what we're trying to achieve, that children have that sense of understanding of, of others through taking part in a very childhood-focused way. And so... Over time, uh, Bishop Toby's our chair. We were very fortunate seven and a half years ago when Toby came to Bradford, we were able to get Toby as our chair. But we're not a faith organisation. We're, we're, we're there for people of all faiths and beliefs. And there are many of us on the team who follow different, um, different, different faiths. And that's a really important part of what we do. Uh, but yes, we're not political and we're not faith. And we work with primary, secondary, special, all kinds of different schools because those differences can... If you, if you learn to be confident and enjoy other people when you're little, particularly, mm. that makes a big difference. Yeah. So then, more latterly, last photograph, one more photograph. 2000, and, is there another photo? Maybe not. Oh, there we are. We got approached by a phone call from the charity that had done the TV programme on Channel 4, where there was an old people's home mm. and, and children. And they said that they'd seen so much happen through that that they'd love to work with us on that. So in the last three years, we've been helping the same schools that do a school-to-school -school link to do a link with an older person's group. And for me, if, if I was talking to you and I followed the Muslim faith or I had strong values, I would still probably say the same. But for me as a Christian, just that sense of uh, learning, kindness, love, compassion, understanding and really thinking about how we all live well together. You think Jesus modelled it to us so many times mm. in so many different ways. Okay. So That's great. So, Thanks okay. so much, Meg. Round of applause for Meg. <laughs> Pete Rayner. Here you go, Pete. I can interview you. Yeah. Okay. Do you want to come over this way a little bit? I'm beginning to get a little bit worried about whether I've bathed enough. <laughs> This is Pete, everybody. Hi. <laughs> Pete, what do you do? <laughs> I am a luxury kitchen and fitted furniture extraordinaire. Wow. <laughs> As you can see, this is actually me fitting my own kitchen. Um, but, yeah. Excellent. So, how does being a follower of Jesus affect what you do and the way that you do it? Um, I was just thinking about this. I think in, in two ways that I can see it impact my life. I'm sure there are many more ways that it could do. Uh, but the first um, is trying to do the best job that I could possibly do. So I fit uh, furniture um, and trying to uh, do as, as good a job as I could possibly do to, um, to glorify God. You know, it's, it's, it's quite nice work that we do. It's quite nice furniture. They're quite expensive. They're very, like, pish-posh. Mm. Um, but me trying to do uh, 
the best job that I can. There's real beauty in it. Yeah. I'm trying to model God's beauty in, in only a small way in my furniture. And then I think in, in another way and probably much more important is um, I'm a tradesperson. I work on building sites a lot. Um, and as great as they are, there's definitely an interesting culture on building sites. Um, and uh, I feel uh, in me a great burden to, um, to really model Christ on building sites because they can be very kind of macho culture, um, you know, low-key bullying, not low-key bullying, just straight-out <laughs> bullying. Um, so trying to be uh, as peaceful as possible, trying to show people respect, um, certainly looking out for younger apprentices who are quite prone to bullying. So trying to model Christ with the people that I work alongside. That's awesome. Have you ever had the chance to be able to share more directly with somebody about your faith? Um, this is something that's been challenging me. So as a small group, we've been doing a course about um, your front line, so kind of alongside mm -hmm. the Soma series. Um, and the previous place that I worked had a, an informal no politics or religion rule where we weren't allowed to talk to our customers about those two subjects, which made me wonder, how did, that, how did they decide to do that? You know, what incident have they had? It wasn't me, I promise. Um, but I think one of the things I've been challenged by, actually, is that um, I can be polite and I can show people, um, I can show people uh, grace, um, but really, the best experience that I can live people, leave people with is, is Christ. So that's certainly a challenge for me, is to work out how I can share with my customers. I mean, the people that I work with, they all know I'm Christian. Um, I think at my last job, I had the nickname Pete the Priest. Um, <laughs> tradespeople in, in general love a good conspiracy theory. So I've had lots of chats about, you know, is, is, you know what's, what's the Bible? Was it written by whoever or is it really God's word mm. so yeah that's brilliant Pete thanks very much let's give Pete a round of applause I'll ask Andy to come down in a moment um I um it doesn't feel like all that long ago that I was in the workplace myself and one of the first things that I tried to work out when I came back to faith in Jesus so probably about 12 years ago now was what does what does it mean to be a child of God in the working environment that you're in. I was in HMRC at the time. I was responsible for a very lot of people. Um, and um, one of the things that I felt that I could do is, again, you come under these same constraints around you can't just suddenly share that you are a, a Christian and therefore things ought to be done differently. But what I discovered was actually a lot of the value sets that organizations have are those kind of things of kindness and showing respect and you know actually if you draw them all back you can find you know places in in the uh, scripture where those are, are mentioned and so one of the things that i really tried very hard to work on was how you create a culture which was a very healthy culture uh, against a culture where it was very kind of um i don't know very challenging very very kind of difficult but i also discovered that actually trying to um I don't know, trying to get alongside somebody and then preach the gospel to them and get out quick is not the way to do kind of sharing faith in a work environment. In a work environment, you're in there for the long term, aren't you? 
you know, it's rare that you're going in and dashing out of a work environment. You're going to be in there for years at a time. And so this whole thing that these guys are talking about, the relationship, building relationships with people, allowing the Jesus who lives in you to shine through, just incredibly essential elements of sharing the good news with people. I found then that people started to talk to me about the things that I was doing at the weekend. And at the time, I was doing a lot of stuff around food banks, a lot of social action type stuff. And that was easy topics to talk to people about. And actually, once you've started talking about uh, the fact that you are in a food bank on a Saturday and you know, you're helping that charity to gather food, then the question often comes, well, why do you do that? And that then allowed the opportunity for me to begin to share the good news of Jesus. You would be surprised how many messages I get over the course of a month from people still who I've worked with in the past saying, will you pray for me? So even though you, you know, they're, not, they're not yet Christians, I'd love to say that I'd managed to see lots of, lots of people come to know Jesus over the time that I was doing that. I didn't, I didn't see anybody come to know Jesus. But I still get lots of people writing to me and saying, Linda, will you pray? My mom's dying. I've, I've got this illness. Will you pray for me? So you know, somehow the link with God still, still really works for them. Uh, Andy, where are you? I can't see you. Sorry? Oh, Andy's not doing it. Okay, fine. Fair enough. Okay. Um, in which case, then, we've had our three. Um, so one of the other things I think is really important for us to think about as we're thinking about the kind of um, this, thank God, it's Monday. And I think, again, we've seen it through what Meg and through Pete uh, and through Richard, is that there, there is no sense of there being a divide between what is perhaps sacred and what's not sacred. So what is God's and what is not God's? Um, I think sometimes we get into, the, into that thinking. When I came, again, when I came back to faith when I was in the workplace, I thought, and it was probably bad theological training that I'd had in the past, that actually what took place in work was completely different to what took place in church. And in actual fact, what my church wanted, and to some degree my church were teaching at the time, was they wanted all my spare time so that I could do Christian things. And what I think God wanted me to learn and then to begin to teach was actually that was not the case. Actually, the whole of my life was his. And therefore, every bit of what I did, so whether that was, I don't know, being in HMRC, helping restore contact centers after the tax credit debacle, whether it was working with E.ON, and thinking about what that meant for customers who were being forced into prepayment meters. Whatever it was that I was doing within my workplace, God was really interested in that. And God didn't want to be aside from it. God wanted to be in the middle of it. And that's what this series is really all about. And that's why we ask these guys to come and share what they do. See, God is right in the middle of what Meg does, what Pete does what Andy does, what Richard does. He's right there in the middle of it. And they don't step aside from being a Christian as they walk into their workplace. They are following Jesus. And no matter how I hope they try, they continue to model him through what they're, uh, from what they're doing. So what I'd love us to do now is to just pray for each other for a few minutes again. What will you be doing tomorrow? Where will you be spending your time? We've spoken about God in the workplace today. We've had three specific workplaces mentioned. But for some of you, your workplace will be your home. Your commitment will be to your family. 
To some of you, it will be, it might be third sector, it might be charity. To some, it might be, well, actually, I can't physically work in a workplace at the moment, but actually I'm volunteering, or I'm actually needing to look after my own health at the moment. But who is it that you're going to be with, and who are you going to be connecting with tomorrow? So why don't you break into just groups of twos and threes, just quickly share that with each other, and then I would love for you each to just be prayed for over what it is that you are going to be doing tomorrow and into the week. It might be that you don't do anything tomorrow. It might be that it's Tuesday. Don't, don't, don't hold me to exact things. But you know, choose something. Choose something that you can share um, with the person that you're with and allow them to pray over you. Go quickly around your group of two or three because we've got about five, seven minutes to do that. So divide and pray. Pray.